I'm Paul Sutton, and this is Digital Download, the show where I talk to topic experts on digital marketing, social media, and public relations about the things that matter in today's communications industry. ChatGPT has revolutionized the communications industry by introducing advanced conversational AI technology. Its natural language processing capabilities have transformed how businesses and individuals interact. ChatGPT enables more efficient customer support through chatbots, reducing response times and improving user experiences. It's also streamlined content creation, helping marketers generate engaging copy and assisting writers with inspiration and grammar checks. Furthermore, ChatGPT has enhanced language translation services, making global communication more accessible. In essence, it's ushered in a new era of effective, intelligent and convenient communication across various sectors. Now, if all that sounds a bit, well, robotic, that's because what I just said is what ChatGPT itself told me. But run that through a voice simulator that can effectively clone my voice and your friendly neighbourhood podcast host is probably out of a job. Both hype and concerns over the impact of AI have exploded over the last few months. From a marketing communications perspective, there's a huge range of articles and advice, from listings of the ways AI will change the industry to portents of doom. Log on to LinkedIn and you can barely go a day without being exposed to 10 chat GPT prompts type content. And all the while, many if not most communicators are going about their day jobs and pretty much ignoring it totally. Now that, to me at least, is insane, given it's so much bigger than just communications. In June, Mo Gordat, who is the former chief business officer for Google X, which is the Google innovation arm, joined a swell of high-profile tech specialists in speaking up about the dangers of AI. He talked about humans' limited intelligence compared to AI, and explained that if you could apply an IQ to ChatGPT4, it would score about 155. Now, Einstein was 160. He went on to say that if Einstein had tried to explain the theory of relativity to someone with an IQ of, say, 80, that person would have no concept of what he was trying to explain. And taking this further, ChatGPT4 is something in the region of 10 times more intelligent than ChatGPT3 was. And so it's not unreasonable to believe that when ChatGPT5 is released next summer, it'll have an IQ of somewhere in the region of 1600. We, humans, will have no idea about some of the things it can come up with. Whereas to some there is a big existential threat of Skynet and robots taking over, and although that is a small possibility, that's not really what we should be worried about. The fact that AI will be way smarter than us within a year is a much more significant threat. Gordat projects that by 2045, AI will be a billion times smarter than us. I put this to today's guest Stephen Waddington, who in June released a management paper assessing the impact of AI on the communications industry. 
I'd, I'd argue with that point because it depends how you define intelligence. I mean, if you define intelligence as access to large amounts of data and to be able to spot trust patterns and synthesize concepts from that data, then mm. yes. If you find if you define intelligence as human creativity and the ability to build and create new knowledge, then no, because AI hasn't been demonstrated to be able to do that at the moment. It can act on a large data set and yeah. draw trends, patterns, respond to queries and build text based on its data set, but it can't yet build new knowledge. And we, we as human beings, we seem to want to um, map human characteristics on AI. Actually, mm. it's, it's artificial. You've got to mm -hmm. think about it. It's not intelligence. It's artificial. And, and you know, it appears to have human-like characteristics because it can work so quickly yeah. thanks to machines. And it can work on such large data sets. So GPT-4 that you said, yeah, it was 45 gigabytes of information from across the web, Google Scholar, Wikipedia, Google Books. And, you know, we don't know how did, did the, all the different vendors stop publishing the size of their data sets because it gave a bit of a willy-waving exercise. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, yeah. massive amounts of data, and that's yeah. the point. You can draw out seemingly intelligent constructs from that data. Yeah, I mean, intelligence is, is a difficult word to use. I, I totally agree with you because, yeah, it, it is drawing something human out of it. Do you, I mean, you've looked at this area quite a bit. Do, do you have any sense of, I don't know the right word, fear about what could be coming five or 10 years down the line or or not? <laughs> Hopefully I'll be out of the, out of the profession. <laughs> you won't care by that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, the reason you make a good point, the reason I have doubled down on it is to continue to be relevant and understand, try and understand what's going on. And, you know, the, the, you know so I've been looking at this for the last five years through the panel yeah. at the CIPR. You know, and, and it did a piece of work. Uh, one of the early pieces of work it did was to map the tools around public relations onto, you know, the skills of public relations. It figured out, we've talked about this before, it figured out around 38, 40% of the competency of public relations and marketing could be done by tools or will be able to be done by tools by... Yeah you know, 2023, here we yeah. are. And they got it pretty right, actually, looking at it, because to your initial point, anything where you're trying to research information, you want to write, you want the first idea, the first of anything, you know, you, you're acting on knowledge. It's there already. OpenAI with uh, ChatGPT completely democratized AI systems when in November it launched to work, you know, via a web browser and gave us yeah. all access. It's interesting you mentioned the, the AI and PR group, actually, because I, I was looking back at that, because I remember very well that, that piece of work being done five years ago. And I was thinking, if we'd have had this conversation nine months ago, I would have looked at that and thought, that, that overshot the mark a bit. Yeah. And then suddenly, yeah. it appears we spot on. We yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's quite an odd one, the, the way things have moved so fast very quickly yeah was was that your i mean it's a bit difficult to say now but prior to the launch in november of chat gbt were you under the same impression that maybe we'd over, overshot those yes in fact andrew smith and i on behalf of the cipr were doing an audit 
through the summer last year, 2022, looking at the tools market. And we got access to Scott Brinkler, the HubSpot guy at HubSpot. He has a, a database called the Chief Master Tech Stack. He gave access, us access to that and allowed us to you know, start drilling data from it. And we, we were starting to pull some really good analysis. He's got 100,000, no, 10,000, sorry, 10,000 tools within that. Okay. They're all very much focused on, you know, automation though and improving workflow. Yeah. We were close to publishing this when along came ChatGPT and OpenAI and we completely kiboshed the project and <laughs> didn't, didn't all publish it. that went it. up for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because you know, we put it on ice, let's say, and, and <laughs> said, hang on, we need to pause here and, and, and reflect on this. Uh, and so the, the piece we ended up publishing in February or March was, you know, much more progressive, contemporary and, and, and relevant. But yeah, I mean, I mean the technology has been there. The technology machine intelligence has been there since, has existed since, you know, the 1950s, it's just computing power has got so much better and the ability to build large data sets has got so much better. And it's the inflection of the two that, that makes this now possible. So, you know, the, there have been AI tools that we looked at in 2018, but they're very crude. You know, it's based on yeah. you know, not generative AI, but actually reductive AI. So taking, you know, large bodies of text and creating tweaks, social media posts, and, and so forth. Yeah. Based on on what we've seen in the last six, nine months, it's kind of not unreasonable to me to believe that the impact of AI is going to be similar on the marketing comms industry as the internet, yeah, as social media. You know, those, those big things that have happened over the last 15, 20, 25 years, whatever it is. It strikes me that, I mean, potentially it's bigger than any of them, actually. What what are the major ways that you think it could impact the industry? I think anywhere, um, so any of the professions that are reliant, so if you're reliant on a body of knowledge, you know, you can now train a machine yeah. with that body of knowledge. So, you know, they are going to be undoubtedly the most, the most impacted. So, you know, you think about any of the professions, accounting, public relations, marketing, undoubtedly, uh, legal, uh, undoubtedly there's going to be a huge impact and that impact will be anywhere where it, you know, you touch large amounts of data. So, you know, legal is a very good example. You know, previously you've had, you know, people coming into the profession that have, whose role has been to, you know, study case law and, and get to grips with large briefs now you know a machine can do that mm. and provide a summary of, a, of of you know a large transcript interview conversation you know t- to a lawyer and do it yep. really really effectively and, and quickly and, and there are two areas to this aren't there because you've got the external things when it comes to pr it seems perfectly reasonable that there's going to be some sort of reputational or could be some sort of reputational impact on an organization and then you've also got the internal things which is the things that maybe we can do something about which is you just sort of workflow stuff yeah so so from a from the perspective of the public well a perspective of any profession there's you know what is the impact on my organization and the externalities around that organization part of the issue around AI at the moment is even the platforms that are generate creating the technology don't 
fully understand how you know its potential and and how it can be used and you know i spotted very very quickly how easy it is to to use tool like ChatGPT to create you know massive volumes of text data whatever you like yeah images um and in doing so um you know you just plug you can just imagine you plug that into the web plug that into plug that into you know a network like twitter and the ability to completely pollute a network is just you know it, it, it's just so apparent i have a huge fear about what's coming up in terms of the election in the us which we know is going to happen in the next next 18 months and also in the uk we've got an election coming up next year yep you know and and uh, massive i'm, I'm personally I'm, you know, I've got huge concerns about that. In terms um, of false narratives being made by AI or, or just people well, being able no, to generate no. massive amounts of... So, so, yeah, just the ability to this technology being weaponized to yeah. to produce massive amounts of text, to produce false information, you know, to do it at scale and to be, to be weaponized. Uh, and then that relates to you know the ethical applications of of ai you yeah. know its application for for good and and bad you know and, and we've just got no regulation in any of this area either you know the, the issues related to copyright no regulation in this you know if 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 you pass some text or if you ask chat gpt or bard to to write you know a profile of Paul Sutton and it comes back with a, a profile who owns the copyright to that text. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that, I mean, uh, you take that stage further. If you are using it to create ideas and you pattern those ideas, who owns it? Because no yeah. human's been involved. I, I think that the whole area of sort of uh, weaponization, if, if we like to use that word and regulation was something that that interview I mentioned with Mo, Mo Gordat, that's what he was getting at really is that, it's, it's like all of these things when when we've had them. It's, it's not the technology itself. That's not the problem. It's the way people no, use it. And, and, you know, bad actors getting hold of this stuff could be really, really problematic. It I mean, could be really problematic. And, you know, against this, we've got a context where, you know, just, just rewind a, li- a little bit. You know, OpenAI stole a march on the market by uh, releasing GPT 3.5 the first data set in November, probably ahead of when it should be. It had no, it has no guard, very limited guardrails net even mm. now on it. Mm-hmm. Um, Google had been working on this project called Bard for you know s- similar length of time, um, and had you know had, had hadn't put this out into the market because it was concerned. Its, its ethics teams were concerned about exactly some of the issues that that we're talking about. Yeah, and. You know, as a result of OpenAI launching in November, you know, it was fairly followed fairly quickly by Google and Bard because, you know, they didn't want to miss out. Uh, and, you know, there's the famous example of, of the, one of the first demonstrations of Bard, you know, completely hallucinated and got the wrong answers. This got this term hallucination where it, they literally just make stuff up. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, it not something like 10% off the share price of Google for a day. Yeah. So, you know, there's massive, massive concerns. So it's, and the tech firms themselves, Google, OpenAI and, and Facebook, you know, have been pulling back Twitter, have been pulling back their ethics teams rather than investing in them. Yes. Um, yeah. Because that's been so critical. Yep, absolutely. Do, do you think there's a possibility even of, of new discipline springing up around PR? 
basically related to to AI. I mean, I, I for example, could it be I, I don't know, uh, reputation management related to AI? Do you see what I mean by that? Yeah. So so you think back. You use the analogy of 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 the internet, which gave rise to the search industry, and then social media gave rise to the content industry from mm. a PR and marketing perspective. Yeah, I think if you're optimistic, the same thing's got to happen here in that there will be an aspect of relationship management around the handling of data by these models, how they are used and implemented by organizations within the public sphere and use cases. And then, you know, you can already see a whole range of sort of functional activities that are required in addition to existing workflow. Um, or maybe they replace or augment existing workflow, but related to things like fact checking, related to you know in writing instructions uh, and getting the best performance out of these these machines. You know, arguably these are all public relations functions. You know, we're related yeah. to a machine rather than a, rather than a human being. Yeah. Um, the hallucination thing's interesting. So the way these technologies work. They are predictive. They're based on you know huge amounts of data. Yep. Um, you query them, and they'll come back with responses based on themes around the thematics around the issue or query that you made. And so this has given rise to this term called hallucination because just as often as they'll get it right, they'll get it wrong. If something isn't in the large language model. They will literally make up the responses, which is what happened in the Google instance. So, you know, for example, go and ask Bard or ChatGPT to write a bio of yourself, and almost certainly get the first paragraph right. Might even get the second paragraph right because you know, there's you you operate in the public relations industry. There's yep. you know, you've yep. spoken at conferences, you've yep. written stuff, you're well known. But once it gets beyond the second or third paragraph. If it can't find any any more information, it will draw information from biographies of similar white men in their you know fifties, <laughs> mid age, <laughs> and just make stuff up. And it absolutely yeah, yeah. will just make stuff up. And that's yeah. got a bit. That's a massive concern. My CPU is a neural net processor, a learning computer. Have you done an analysis of the? number of tools out there that are, i mean i know it's changing all the time and there's sprint i mean god knows how many there are now but have you done that sort of analysis no it's moving so quick so the the open ai api has been used and incorporated in and it's driven this third-party market for a whole new set of tools yep so tools that sit on top of the database uh, or the large language model i use those terms inter- interchangeably and if you like, provide a level of application on, on top of those. So things like Dali for creating images, Dali 2 for creating yep. images, things like, you know, I discovered one recently, Cognosis, literally only in the couple, last couple of weeks that starts to provide, you know, you, you'll ask it to do a task. It will break that task in, down into discrete functions and then it will go away and work through each function. Okay. Know, literally mimicking the activities that you would do as a professional yeah. or a knowledge worker. And yeah, there's, there's Future Tools, which is a, AI, a database of AI tools. I think there's around 2,000 tools in that now. There's Product Hunt. You know, if you subscribe to their newsletter every day, you know, you're getting a dump of 10, 20, 30 new tools. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of shiny new shit. <laughs> that, that you could literally jump on every single day and it does become absolutely exhausting are you trying a lot of these personally I yeah mean- i, I I'm, tr- I'm trying a lot of them personally i mentioned somebody called andrew 
Smith, he devotes a huge amount of energy, and I'd urge you to follow him on Twitter or LinkedIn because you know he's he's going well. We haven't got the time to go <laughs> and doing the work for us, yeah, yeah. Um, and I really appreciate that. But you know, in it, um, I, I've stopped looking at the shiny new toys because you know it, it's it's software developers serving pushing functions into a market that you know might or might not be particularly useful and it's much more useful to break down the task that you have within your you know domain and then look for look for tools to support with that so i've, I've kind of flipped how i think about this and and work and work on this but you know for all if we refocus on public relations for almost every aspects of public relations activity there would there is a tool now to help and support what are you doing? You know, this podcast, you're, we're recording it. You know, we could have a little bot sitting alongside from Otter or Fireflies that um, within 10 minutes of the of the meeting finish will create a transcript for us uh, and we'll pull the key bullet points out of that transcript. You know, and that sort of thing is terrifying. Uh, there <laughs> you go. You've got, you know, for a half an hour of text, you've you've which would probably take you know, three or four hours to transcribe, create notes, find the key themes from it. You know, you've, you've destroyed three or four hours of work. But it's it's a great example because you're right. I mean, I going back to, I mean, I've, I've when did I start this podcast? 2018, I think. And at that time, so we're talking five years ago, the transcripts uh, technology around was pretty poor. Um, mm. You know, I, and because of that, I've never really transcribed them. And I know that's a bad thing to do anyway, full stop. But nowadays, yes, you you use a tool like Otter. You transcribe your podcast. From that, you plug that transcript into another system, which can then write you five blog posts, for example, about that one podcast. You could then carve that into God knows how many social media updates. You could create a white paper. I mean, there's it's endless, yeah. which would take minutes. And I know it needs polishing, but that would previously have been hours and hours of work and it's just done. So I've, I've started doing a bit of a party trick at, um, at conferences and events where I'm invited to speak uh, in that I demonstrate how AI could provide the function of a, a, an account exec. And, you know, we talk a lot about generative AI. I keep going about reductive AI is yeah. equally as in important i think and is disruptive and that's an example of you know the transcription is an example of reductive ai because it's taking a large amount of data and making mm. making so help you helping you make sense of it but i've you know i do this demo where over the course of 10 minutes i'll take a white paper upload that into chat gpt and you know three or four thousand word paper yeah you know, ask it to write a press release comes back with First, first draft of a press release is okay. Typically, it will be enough for you or I to take and 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 work on and yep, yep. as a first draft. Yep. Um, that's only going to get better. And then say, then say, right, I don't like the headline. Can you generate me ten alternative headlines? Yeah. And it, all that happens within thirty seconds live. Can you create me a quote relevant to the PR industry? The the you know management to marketing and it'll create you three versions of a quote can you write me an email pitch as if i'm going to pitch this to a business media he'll write that and it all does this in real time and live and that's terrifying <laughs> it is because suddenly you just see so much work disappear 
But you do you do hear people say, well, yeah, it can do that, but it doesn't do it very well. And this tends to come from copywriters, actually. Yeah. Who say, well, I can do it way better than that. And I'm like, yeah, can you? <laughs> yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. Richard Bagnall, in fact, I've heard him speak. So he was chair of uh, AMAC and he's at Karma, leads um, CEO of Karma. <laughs> He did this really depressing piece about PR singularity where uh, we're now taking what journalists are writing, we're framing a story or a pitch in the context that a journalist, based on what a journalist has written about to make it relevant, we're pitching it. The journalist is then using AI to help them write a story, publishing the story, and then, you know, the measurement industry is, and the, is, is then using automated tools to figure out, you know, the, the sentiment and positive. That's definitely where we're going. Slightly <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> so, I mean, when, when you look at all this stuff, whether you're thinking about the ethical issues, the tools, what they can do, the impact on stuff, it's it's overwhelming. I mean, I, I find it overwhelming. I'm not afraid to admit that. Um, I... I've tried to keep up to date with this, but I haven't put anywhere near the perhaps the time that you have into really understanding this stuff. What should we be focused on? Because a lot, a lot of it, especially when it comes to tools, is white noise. I think you'd agree with that. There's yeah, so it's, much yeah, it's, stuff. It's vendors pushing solutions, yeah, exactly. shining solutions onto a market that doesn't really know what it's buying, doesn't understand it. And you can very quickly end up with, you know, a dozen $20 subscriptions a month that you don't really ever use. Just going on on that, which are the tools that you think, if there is a, a tool set, a skill set, that we should be adapting that are the key ones? If, if people are re, uh, listening to this and they don't know where to start, what what are the sort of half dozen or so that are, are so the real? Go f- Go for ChatGPT because, you know, that that's a fundamental platform technology based on a large language model. Google Bard is also, you know, and also a similar tool. Um, but I jumped very early on to ChatGPT and I've stuck with that. That will give you, you know, a fundamental grounding in a lot of both the reductive and generative applications. So you can start to use that at a command line prompt level to ask, you know, basic queries. You can ask it, you know, to become, support you in doing research, support you as an analyst, support you in creating content. And it will start to give you a very good understanding of of technology uh, and what's capable. And then there's a series of applications alongside ChatGPT. So ChatGPT is very much focused on text, but then you can look at things like DALI 2 that will help you create images. You know, So we're working in a text environment with, with ChatGPT, so chatbot essentially, mm-hmm. um, but DALI will help you, you know, create images and you know that's not work, area of explore, explored as much, but you know, it's, it's really interesting. Um, you know, functional level design. Um, so those are two, those have covered you for text and, and images. And then there's an application layer that's starting to sit on top of these tools now that are helping you with different aspects of, of your job. So I've used an application for, for a couple of years now called Beautiful AI instead of Power. It's a power replacement for PowerPoint. Okay. And, it, you know, it's like, Interesting. It's like having a, an, uh, an assistant sit by your side, a designer in this case, that helps you lay out 
slides and presentations um, and just gives you nudges along the way and, and really helpful suggestions. You know, it will also, it'll also find images for you or, you know, create images for you. So, you know, I, I'm using that a lot. Um, I've mentioned you've talked about Otter Fire Files is another really good tool. Just it takes the large amounts of data that you might create transcripts in particular is good at and will you know help you make sense of that so write you a transcript find the bullet points in that and the latest engine <laughs> slightly terrifying the later latest version of iofiles I, I i used recently it will mark out the percentages of who's spoken during a conversation and then give you a sentiment scoring for <laughs> <laughs> Free fearful and miserable you were during the meeting. <laughs> slightly existential. Um, <laughs> honestly, I found the reductive applications though um, the most useful. So there's an application called WordTune that I use almost every day, where it will take a you know a large ten page PDF and break it down page by page, and basically write crib notes for you. You know, so all these handful of tools there that I use. And so tools is one thing. The other. And, you know, immerse yourself in those, start with a large language model and then look at some of the applications that sit on top of it, focus it always around your workflow, I'd suggest. Set, the next thing you have to do, though, is is think within a business context, you know, what guidelines are you going to put in place, you know, in lots of organizations, particularly in a PR context and now looking, looking at this, you know, because... What level of transparency do you provide publicly when you're using these tools? You know, how do you counter bias? Uh-huh. Um, how do you, you know, how do you counter issues like copyright? And often there are answers yet. You know, and then the, equally, there's not that much advice come out, uh, advisory coming out of the PR industry yet on, you know, what best practice should be because we literally at the start of this. Yeah, it's an interesting point because it, using that example I, I mentioned, let, let's say we take the transcript of this podcast and I produce half a dozen blog posts from the transcript and I post them on my website and I have a light touch edit on them, let's say. Yeah. You know, I, I, I use them as a first draft, but it's a light touch. Do I then, on those blog posts, should I be saying this this article was written with the help of chat gpt or or, or whatever yeah. tool i use i don't know i don't know the answer to that yeah um you know it's it's uh, everyone from the patent office to copyright lawyers are, are looking at these issues uh, and th- there just isn't any regulation to no. to cover it i mean you know you don't disclose when you're using a spell checker or grammar checker or no nope, you know, grammarly yeah you know we've accepted those as as tools that are part of our workflow <laughs> that'd be quite interesting uh if you did um <laughs> but you know i i i think they're going to become i think these things are just going to become part of our day-to-day workflow there's there's um there's a point related to that microsoft which is an investor in OpenAI, has said it's going to launch a tool within the office 365 environment called copilot Again, sitting on top of the ChatGPT uh, large language model uh, as an assistant, they're calling it Copilot. But I think it's a really interesting piece of positioning because you know it's clearly there as an analyst or researcher to sit alongside you and to support you in what you're doing day to day. But that's out in beta now, and you know that'll be launched in the wild by the middle of next year. Okay, uh, and I think that that's the point where no one can avoid this then. No, and, and I think it's a fair point anyway. This, this is happening. This, this can't mm. be turned back. It, it won't be. 
But we stopped Judgment Day. You only postponed it. Judgment Day is inevitable. One of the things that's been on my mind actually for quite a while now, I, <laughs> it's going to sound a bit odd, but I, I've been through this process of thinking, so I'm in my 50s now and I do a lot of training, right, on social media strategy or digital marketing strategy, whatever it is. And I go into a room and there's this 50-year-old guy comes in and he's training 25-year-olds. And I've been thinking, do you know what? There's only a certain lifespan that I can go on before they start rejecting me as an old granddad. And I was thinking, well, if I had to tweak my career, there's got to be a significant role there for the prompt side of things. So it's all very well saying, right, I've got this AI tool in front of me. Mm. The skill is is learning to prompt it in the right way to get the result that you want. And I think when we, when we were saying these are the these are, this is a set of tools that you should be getting to know, it's not a case of oh yeah I've used GPT three times. Mm. It, it's spending time actually learning learning the way to prompt it. That that strikes me as the big skill that's probably just around the corner, if not there now. So first of all, I correct you. You've got you know your your career that's come before now is almost your pension in terms that you've got the wisdom <laughs> of, of age. Uh, and you know, to be fair, we've been through economic cycles multiple. We've been through you know innovation cycles. You know, PC, mobile phone, internet, as you talked about, social media. Um, we've lived through all of those. You know, I too am in my fifties, and and so you've got the experience of that that you can bring to bear. And you know, the story we talked about this before so many times that PR really did miss SEO, yeah. uh, and it was slow on it was slow on social media, and other industries grew up around it. Well, you know, potentially the the, the same could be happening here. And you know, the PR industry is not good. PR and marketing industries aren't good at innovation and adopting new forms of technology. And the data yeah. that's coming out of, you know, the industry associations is, you know, very negative in terms of, you know, from a risk perspective, we we need to put all this back in the box. Well, you know, you, you just can't. Yeah. You know, the same, it's the same arguments that, yeah. that, you know, when Facebook and Twitter first, first emerged. So, you know, actually you're future proofing your career and you bring a huge value in, in, in your experience to bear. Second point though, prompting. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, numerous organizations from McKinsey to uh, the world economic forum have said, you know, prompt engineer is the role of 2023 because, you know, that's the way you train and get the best performance out of the machines. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's certainly my experience. These machines will regenerate at speed. So if you don't like the first draft or something, you ask it, give it a fresh instruction and yeah. it'll come back with a better response. And, you know, it, it absolutely works. Obviously, you, you've spent more time than I have doing this stuff as well. Is that something you you will have learned that? Is something that you consciously have learned how to do? Or is it just, I don't know, interested in, in your view on that, really? Um, so it's something I've I've taught myself absolutely taught myself just through experimentation but then also reading you know there's, there's t tons and tons of resources you know from twitter through to facebook groups through to linkedin conversations and reddit where you know people are experimenting with this stuff um out in the wild and you know so yeah i'm just jumping on that bandwagon yeah yeah okay you mentioned there that 
the PR industry is generally slow to adapt to stuff, new technology right. specifically, which you can't deny. I totally agree with you. What do you think we need to start doing now as an industry? If someone's listening to this, what, what do they really need to start doing now? Because it won't be long before it falls behind. You know, in this case, it's coming on so fast. And you like you say, there will be other industries spring up around it. What do people need to start doing? So anecdotally, I've I asked this question at the start every time I do a speak at a conference or an event and and typically it's around 50% of people have have you know experimented with it everybody's you know everybody's aware of it you can't not be it's no. such a huge issue within the public sphere you know and, and there's a piece of work came out of Annenberg USC Annenberg in the states which says university that tracks PR issues um said around a f- fifth of practitioners were actively experimenting with it and that's seems about right to me and I think at the moment you've got to you know if you want to future proof your career you've got to as we've discussed experiment with these different technologies and understand them you've got two assertive opportunities I'd suggest within your day job the first one is to be the person who informs management about where these technologies are going I mean AI was stuck within stuck it was typically within research and development or you know innovation within an organization before november 2022 after that and you know it's very firmly become a management issue yeah um, and you know management's trying to get to grips with the impact of this on you know business models on reputation on ethical issues so you know that's naturally the domain of the public relations practitioner in understanding and the horizon scanning the public sphere to to help organizations figure this out so you know this is an opportunity to engage with management just as we did during the pandemic, you know, so, so it's an opportunity to get ahead in your career. Second one is, you know, the opportunity to understand the impact on workflow and be the person within your organization that people go to yeah. for help and assistance to, to understand that. And a lot of agencies, not so much comms teams, but agencies now have uh, built, you know, innovation teams to, you know, look at these tools to start looking at workflow and they're having hack days and, and so forth yeah. to, to try and get ahead of this. Just to finish off then, do you feel broadly optimistic about AI as a whole and then about its impact on the comms industry and where that's going? So I've got another 10 years of career. <laughs> <laughs> to your point. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm naturally going to say, yeah, I, do. <laughs> I really do. It's great. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a disruptive innovation. We've seen those many times that, you know, the, the PC, the PC to the mobile phone, the internet, social media, it's like that. We don't yet know how big it is and what the potential impact of it might be undoubtedly you know it will have a huge impact and it's showing already the potential to be disruptive um it provides us with an assertive opportunity to go and engage with management but also to change our workflow so yeah i'm i'm hugely optimistic The Hive is a brand new community with a focus on helping independent workers to run more efficient, profitable and well-balanced businesses through collaboration and knowledge sharing.
It's a place to swap stories, ask questions and get the support and advice of others in the same boat as you. And as well as the online community, there are live Q&As with experts in finances, processes and well-being. There's a weekly bulletin covering different aspects of self-employment. And there are also regular virtual and in-person meetups. For full information, check out www.thehive.rocks. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, please do leave a review as this helps others discover the podcast. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.